0: So, last week, here's what I'm going to get to. Here's what we're getting to. The things that you guys are most excited about, you're going to talk about, right? And as Christians, the number one thing we should be most excited about talking about is our Christian faith. Should be. But most of the time, it's not. And we're going to talk about two different stories here in a second. But I'll recap a little bit last week. uh, We're spending a few weeks on the Great Commission. That's kind of like the theme verse. It's on the papers that you guys got just there beginning. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. So to recap, last week, if you were not here, we went through pretty much Genesis to Revelation as fast as we could but we wrapped it all up in one math statement. Anybody remember what it was? Jesus is greater than everything. So what we said last week is Jesus says here, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If someone stands before you and says, listen, I have authority in heaven, I have authority in your life, I have authority on earth, you're going to either think one of two things. You're going to think this guy is God, or you're going to think this guy is a lunatic. And you run the opposite direction. And because of what the disciples saw in Jesus, all the things that he did, and ultimately his resurrection, they believed him and they took his church and became what it is today. So Jesus is greater than everything. But we're going to focus this week on that one phrase just in verse 19, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I, I, I want to recap a little bit. If you were here this morning and you heard my brother talk, Uh, He talked heavily about what it means to make disciples of all nations, and I don't want to go too deep into that. But I'm just going to give you two, three points tonight. The first, I'm going to ask this question. Who is the message of Jesus for? Okay. If you say it's for everyone, should it not look like that we actually believe that? Let me give you an example. How many of you guys remember the story of Jonah? remember the story of Jonah? Yeah, come on. You guys watch VeggieTales. Okay, first off, if you watch VeggieTales, there is no actual worm named Khalil in the story. That's just a made-up character. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. I'm sorry. He's not real. But the story of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet in Israel, and God comes to Jonah and says, hey, I want you to take this message of me. I want you to take the message of salvation. I want you to take the message of repentance and go to Nineveh. Nineveh is roughly right around Iraq today. It's a very hostile region. And Jonah's like, uh, no. I don't want anything to do with Nineveh. I don't want anything. They're a wicked city. I don't want to do it. And he pretty much said to himself, you know, I got my gift of grace and mercy and salvation. I don't really want to associate with those people over there. So you know that if you don't know the story, he, he leaves, gets on a boat, and goes the opposite direction. And while he's on the boat, God sends this massive storm that basically nearly capsizes the boat, and Jonah knows the reason why the boat's going crazy is because of me, and so he convinces the people that he's with to throw him overboard, and when he throws him overboard, a giant fish comes up, swallows him up, and brings him basically to Nineveh. It's a cool story. Love that story. We talk about it a lot in Sunday school growing up. We watch VeggieTales, but do you want to know the whole story? When he's in that fish, first off, it's if, if like if you think about it this way, Jonah refused to go where God was telling him to go. God's like, I'm going to make you go where I want you to go. And so if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to use a fish to get you there. And he took him right to it. While he's inside the fish, Jonah prays. And it sounds like the most heartfelt prayer in the Bible. It's a beautiful prayer. He's crying out from the depths of his soul, out of the depths of the sea. It sounds so beautiful. Then he gets to Nineveh. And when he finally gets there, he preaches the message of repentance to Nineveh, and it says all of Nineveh practically was saved. Great story, except what happened next. Jonah threw a temper tantrum and basically complained that they were saved. He complained that they were being redeemed, that they were being spared by God. He was waiting for like balls of fire to come down and just destroy all of them and destroy all the cattle, destroy all the city. The dude who was called to preach to him came and he preached to them and now they received the message of salvation and now he's pouting about the fact that they received it and were saved. He didn't truly believe that the message of God was for everyone. And see, so the message of Jesus is for everyone, but I want to ask us the question, do we actually believe that? Here's a modern day example. So I've talked about this before. When I went to South Africa in 2000, this was 2013. I'm sitting on the porch of a Muslim family's home. The man's name was Islam. He was, he and I were building bird cages together for his project that were making they're raising quail and raising selling the eggs. It's a cool cool project. Uh, this community that, that we were in was predominantly Muslim in one neighborhood. The next neighborhood over was predominantly Hindu. So, like two blocks from each other was this massive Muslim mosque, and two blocks over was this massive Hindu temple. Like, crazy area. And here we are, these white Americans just sitting there on the front porch of this person's house. And they were a great family, they're great people. And what was cool is as I'm building a birdcage with Islam, his wife was participating in a Bible study inside. But we're sitting on the front porch, and this lady walks by, and the this nation of South Africa is so diverse. Not everyone looks like each other, not even acts like each other, not even sounds like each other. This lady walks by, and she looks at us, she goes, uh, what are y'all doing? Sitting. No, 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 what are you doing here? It's like, talking with Islam, building birdcages. Why? I'm like, because we're building birdcages for the egg. I start going into it. She says, no, 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 do you not feel in danger about being in a Muslim man's house? She goes, you guys are Christians, right? I'm like, yeah, aren't you like scared they're going to kill you? I'm like, what? This is nuts. So just because you think differently than he does, I'm not supposed to take this same message I'm guessing you believe in, because otherwise you wouldn't be so concerned about me. That I'm not supposed to share it with this guy? Cool story that after that, after we left, not only was his the wife participated in the Bible study. Islam was also participating in the Bible study and was building bird cages like left and right. He was doing, making a lot of money for this ministry. Where we were staying was a minister's home. The guy was an aerospace engineer by day and a preacher by night. The dude was loaded, <laughs> say it that way. He was Indian. And South Africa has the largest Indian population outside of India. I did not know... From that moment and then this moment at his house, I did not know what racism was until I met him. I've lived in the Middle ohio Valley practically my entire life. I moved here in 98. If you haven't noticed yet, we're pretty non-diverse. We all look the same. We all act the same. We all think the same. We all sound the same. It's pretty much the same. I go over there into a melting pot community, and I hear this guy who's an Indian who comes from a country of India, which if you ever heard and study history, when you hear about the caste system, which is about just ranking in society, men are at the very top, women are at the very bottom. He only would talk to my mom because he was a, she was a pastor's wife. He would, talk to, he would not talk to the other woman on our trip because she did, she did retail. He would talk to my friend Cam, who was a medical student. He would not talk to me because I was in ministry. But then also, he had a servant who worked for her, worked for them. A black woman from the Zulu village who they treated like absolute garbage, who got up every morning at four o'clock and rode a bus an hour and a half to work there, to work till 11 o'clock at night to get on the bus and ride back home. And they treated her like garbage. I'm like, you, dude, are a pastor, a Christian. And I'm like, do you not really believe that this message of Jesus is for everyone, because if you believe that, then you would not be treating these people like this. Their church was in a predominantly black area. They've they called the people in the community our projects. Not a great term to call somebody. Devalues them, dehumanizes them. Can you guess how many of the black community came to their church? They had a bunch of children. And while we're sitting at they're doing ch- Our children's... Aww. I would start singing to you, but you don't want to hear that. She loves it, though. But we go to church. And as we're sitting at church, they're doing Sunday school, like children's children's church for the kids. And they're doing the, the, the lesson, and the lesson that day was about Adam and Eve. And there was a lot of men in the room, not very many women, all Indian, and then a bunch I mean a bunch of kids who were all black. And the pastor starts going on this lesson about Adam and Eve, and it says, who sinned first? A little kid raises his hand, Adam and Eve. He goes, no, 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 no. It wasn't Adam. Women messed this up. I'm like, crap. If you believe that, just walk out the door. I'm just going to tell you that right now. In, all, in two weeks, all I heard was, the message of Jesus is not for the blacks. The message of Jesus is not for the Indians, the Hindus, the Muslims. The message of Jesus is not for women. It is only for the men of us who look the same, act the same, and think the same. You guys think, this is, this is America. Like, we are so much more, you know, educated. We're so much, we're not as ignorant as that. Yeah, bullcrap. Let's talk about this. We live in the Middle Ohio Valley. I've lived here for 20 years. Let me talk to you about the Middle Ohio Valley. We don't have a lot of diversity to be racist towards, We really don't. But do you know where the prejudice comes in? I can actually see it in the room right now. The prejudice comes into play where you live within the Middle High Valley and where you go to school. When I come to be employed at First Baptist Williamstown and someone says to me, hey, so where do you live? I live in Parkersburg. Oh, Do you feel safe? What? Do I feel safe? I'm like, hey, those of you who've been to my house, I live in a pretty nice neighborhood. Yes, I found drugs in my house, but that's beside the point. Like, <laughs> it's a very nice house. Very nice neighborhood. Or where did you go to high school? Oh, I went to I went to PHS. Ugh. You did not go to Williamstown. I'm like, yeah, but we're the school of champions, but now we're the school of plagiarists. Or, so that's beside <laughs> the point. But I see it all the time in teenagers. Some of you guys have gone to this church your entire life. You've grown up going to Upstreet, King's Crossing together. And all of a sudden, right around eighth grade, it switches. Because some of you go to what kind of Christian? Some of you go to Williamstown. Some of you go to South, some of you go to PHS, some of you go to Warren. And all of a sudden, it's like, you don't know each other anymore. Do you all realize this? It is aggravating to watch. And what you just, when you do that, what you refuse to acknowledge is that statement on the screen. That the message of Jesus for everyone Because in that moment, what you guys do is just what Jonah did. The message of Jesus, the message of God is only for me. And I'm too good to share it with anybody else. I hope I'm stepping on toes. I actually hope I'm kicking you in the shins, because this should be evident. If you don't see it, just look around your tables, see who you're not sitting with, and ask yourself, why am I not sitting with them? The disciples who Jesus stood before and he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word, those two words, all nations, just kicked them in the shins as well. Because they have been Jews their entire life. They've been following Jesus for the last three years. And now Jesus says, hey, this message that I have is not just for you Jews. It's not even just for you 11 disciples. It is far greater than what you can ever imagine. So go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I, I keep throwing this word out, disciple. And what does disciple mean? It's basically a follower or someone, that's, you're a, someone who's your mentor and you're the mentee. Like it's basically what that means. You are the follower of somebody. You're a disciple of that person. You're, you're striving to be like that, act like that person. So these people are walking around with Jesus for three years as disciples. And then he says, go make disciples of all nations. And the crazy thing is, do you think they did it right away? Nope. Even when the Holy Spirit finally fell in Acts chapter 1, it says the Holy Spirit came down and people started hearing the, the, the message of God in their own language, in their own tongue. Guess where the disciples went? Home. To their neighborhoods. Which is great. You, you, do, you do have to start in your own neighborhood. But at some point, once you evangelize your own neighborhood, you've got to eventually do what? Leave. A good example of this. I had a coworker, or at a at a Bible study, later one time said I was working for Dutch Miller Kia, and if you've ever in the Huntington area, worst commercials ever, but they get your attention. They are amazing. They, you know the like, forty five minute infomercials where like cars keep going by, and like this is a Kia, this is a Honda. You know what I'm talking about? The dude ate the home wrecker from Hillbilly Hot Dog on live television, and then vomited the home wrecker on live television. It was awesome. Sold a bunch of cars that month. It's on YouTube. Look it up. But I'm working at, I'm working at Dutch Miller Kia, and my, my, my Bible study leader was meeting me one day. He goes, hey, why don't you make, because I kept saying I have these dreams about going somewhere else. I wanted to go somewhere else. He goes, before you can go anywhere, you need to be obedient where you are. I'm like, okay, don't really follow me. He goes, you need to tell everybody in your workplace who Jesus is. Otherwise, you don't really believe who he is. Okay? So I made it a point. I'm going to talk to every single person I work with about my faith and where I go to church and what I do for a living, which, where I wanted to do for a living. It was crazy that that day when I met with him, he goes, How many people do you have left that you've not talked to? I said, Two. And the entire dealership, just two people. And here's what happened next I get out of the car, walk inside, because we prayed for these two people by name. We get out of the car, walk inside, and my boss, Rogers, looking at me, he goes, Hey, you and, I don't remember his name now, he goes, You and Mike are going to go to, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Lavalette, somewhere. I think it's Lavalette. He goes, You're going to drive to Lavalette. It's a 40 minute drive. You're going to follow him out there. You're going to drop him off and bring him back. 40 minutes in the car with the very same guy I've just been praying for by name who I've not talked about Jesus with yet. So we drive. I'm like freaking out. Kind of, if you heard Todd's story this morning, it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, how do I bring this up? It's not really just one of those things like, hey, you know about Jesus? Like, I I just, I can't do that. It's not really natural for me to do that. You kind of find like different avenues. You manipulate, I use my salesman techniques and manipulate the conversation to get you where I want you to go. And once you ask the question, I'm like, hey, gotcha, right? This didn't happen. I get in the car, we start driving. He goes, so you go to church anywhere? I'm like, crap, yeah. Like, (laughs) he's like, what? I said, this is cool. And I just started talking about my faith with him. And now in my mind, I'm like, okay, we talked for 40, 40 minutes. And now I'm thinking, I have one person left. There's one. And we get back to the dealership. I walk through the service desk. I'm standing at the front desk. And for some reason, this one technician, this one mechanic is standing there at that desk. He had this massive, remember the massive, like, Samsung phone that came out with a while ago? that was, like, that big. He had that, like, on his hip. Was, I'll never forget this. He was, a, like, 300-pound guy. He had this massive thing on his, it, it was crazy. And I walk in, like, hey, man, what's that big is hey, so I've been wanting to talk to you. You just seem kind of different. He goes, are you like a church person or something? I'm like, okay, now you're just messing with me. Like, <laughs> this is nuts. I just prayed for those two people and now here they are in a conversation with them. And guess what happened five minutes after that conversation? I get a phone call for a job offer that took me away a week later. I, I, I witnessed to the people I was supposed to witness to and then God says, okay, you're done. Now I need you to go over here. The people that followed Jesus for so long, his disciples went right to Jerusalem, and then then they failed to ever leave. What what do you, what do you think took it? What do you think it. What do you think it took for them to finally leave? Do anybody remember? I heard it. Persecution. Their buddy Stephen, that they had just appointed as a deacon, gets brought before the Sanhedrin, brought before the Pharisees, and they get the entire community around him and throw rocks at him until he died. He was stoned, just pelting him with rocks. And that day, the church exploded and started taking that message everywhere because persecution doesn't stop it. It actually fuels it. Here's what I want you to hear from this, though. Two things. First, well, actually three things. First, the message of Jesus forever. And the second thing, to make disciples, you must be a disciple. Listen, if you want to see people follow Jesus, if you want to hear people how their lives change. If you want to see that happen, it always starts where? Yourself. You cannot change the world unless you're willing to change some things within yourself. You cannot do these things unless you're willing to do them yourself. It can't happen. You cannot make disciples unless you are a disciple. The next thing, here's why. Because disciples make disciples. It is a natural product of you being a follower of Jesus. You want to see people follow Jesus Another way of saying this. Do you want to see life in this world? Or do you want to see death? Huh? Life. So we must find ways of creating life. And I'm not going to go into details, but you know how we as humans create life. We don't want to see death all the time. We want to see life. We make life. We produce and we multiply this earth. That's why Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 says, be fruitful and multiply. That's what it's talking about. Fill the earth. As Christians, do you want to see life or death? Life. We don't... Okay, only Will wants to see life. The rest of you want to see a bunch of death and a bunch of people go to hell, is what you all just communicated to me. You want to see life. But why don't we actually act like it? We spend so much time acting just like Jonah. We think the message of God is only for ourselves, so we refuse to go to anybody... And when we refuse to go to anybody, we're actually acknowledging that we ourselves are not actually disciples of Jesus. Here's why. If you have your Bible on your table, uh, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, if you're using this Bible, it's in page five or 827. Hopefully next week, these Bibles will all be replaced. We're going to have some new ones that will be easier to follow along with. It'll be nicer than they aren't going to fall apart in our hands. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, who used to be who? Saul. Saul Saul was the guy who held the coats when the people were stoning Stephen. He was the biggest persecutor of the church. And Saul, when he became Paul, changed drastically and his entire life became focused about one person. So he goes to the very ends of the earth. We know from history, he did three missionary journeys and he is almost single-handedly responsible for the for the gospel to get to Europe, from Israel. It's a long way if you're talking about walking by foot. Listen to this, though. Chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul is facing a lot of persecution. He's in, this is a letter to the Corinthians. Corinthians were Greek. They were very hostile towards Christian. Listen to this. For we know that if our tent, he's talking about his physical body, his physical life, if our tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God. He's like, hey, I can be killed right now. It's all good. My body is, is going to die anyways. It's, it's decaying. I don't have a six-pack anymore. I have a beer gut. Like, he's like, I'm okay if my body dies now. He's like, I have, a, I have an eternal home that the Lord is building. Verse 2, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. He longs to be in heaven. If indeed by putting it on, we may, be, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. Some of you guys are getting really confused here. He's saying, I want to have my eternal glory. I want to have my eternal inheritance. I want to have my eternal body. My th- I don't want to have to deal with sin anymore. I don't want to, have to deal with all these pain. I don't want to deal with suffering. He goes, but it's okay because I have this promise before me. Verse 6. So we are always good of, a, of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body we are away from the lord before we walk by faith not by sight yes we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and not home with the lord so whether we are at home with the lord so excuse me so whether we are at home or away we make it our aim to please him paul did not care what happened to his body paul did not care what happened to his life paul did not care how many followers he had on instagram paul did not care how many people that he used to kill he all he's worried about now is one thing he is playing for an audience of what band one. He's only concerned about one person. That's God. Verse 11. Let's go. Therefore, knowing that the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. He's saying, I, I fear the Lord. Because I fear the Lord, I'm going to persuade others now. But what, we are, but, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves. they are not boasting in themselves. But giving you Ourselves to you, again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. Let's skip down to verse 14. Listen to this. For the love of Christ controls us. Better translation, in my opinion, is NIV. For the love of Christ compels us. It says it compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died, meaning Jesus he has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might, not lo- might no longer live for themselves, but for him. For their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't care about the earthly things. We don't care what the world says about anybody. We only care about the, what, the, what the Lord says about this person. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore... Listen closely to this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says, if you are in Christ, I don't care what you've done. If you are in Christ, I don't care what you used to do. If you are in Christ, I don't care how many things you did wrong. Paul is a person that knew this. I'm the one that killed people. I'm the one that held the coats. I'm the one that murdered people. I'm the one that pulled people out of their houses to be killed. He's like, I don't care. The old is gone. You are a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new person. And you're like, okay, yes, I believe that I'm a new person, but I still struggle every single day with stuff. How many of you guys struggle every single day with something? Did he not just say, we still groan in our bodies, waiting to be made whole, waiting to be made clean, waiting to be away from all this sin, but yet while we still are here, we're trusting and we have good courage. We are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All of this, verse 18, is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, entrusting us to their message of reconciliation. Stop right there. What he just said, that Jesus came to reconcile you. How many of you understand what the word reconciliation means? Anybody? Seth, you're nodding your head. What does it mean? Perfect. How, okay, what if I, oh, where did Anna go? In a financial world, reconcile. Bring back balance. To pay off the debt. To pay off what is owed. Jesus came to reconcile you. He came to pay your debt. Your debt was eternity in hell. Your debt was death on a cross. Your debt was three nails through your wrists and ankles. Your debt was endless torment. He came to pay that debt, reconcile the difference, and bring you back to who? Himself, the Lord. Because he wants to be with each and every one of us. He says he has come to do this. He has come to bring Him back, bring you back to himself. And listen closely to this. I love this. Verse 20. Therefore, if this is true, if he has really brought us back to himself, if we are truly reconciled, if our debt is truly paid, Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for who? When you think of the word ambassador, what do you think of? Foreign ambassador, right? We th- I think politics. We have people, as United States government, we have foreign ambassadors all over the world right now, almost every single country. We have somebody from our state in that country. What do they do? They represent us. They're the w- they speak on our behalf. They speak for us. They speak about us. They are our ambassadors there. And he just said right here, we are Christ ambassadors. We are away from our Lord. We are not in our eternal home. We are now in a distant land, away from our Lord, and we are now supposed to represent who? We're supposed to speak about him. We're supposed to talk about him. We're supposed to act like him. We're supposed to think like him. We're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to represent completely the Lord, and we are compelled to do this. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you, now he's talking about to the people he's talking to, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to our God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you claim that you are a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be reconciled to him, and your debts has been paid, and you, you know you're forgiven, you have to be, not didn't mean have to be, you should be an ambassador for Jesus. You should be a representation of him in your schools, in your soccer fields, on the cross-country course, wherever you are, you should be a representation of him. Why? Because Genesis chapter 1 says you were made in his image, so you better be reflecting his image wherever you are. You are ambassador to him. So when people see C.W. Durham, when people see Dave Medley, they should not go, hey, that's Dave, or that's C.W., they have a great family. No, they should look at him and say, that guy loves Jesus. And if we say we love Jesus, when someone looks at us, there should never be a doubt about it. There should never be a doubt about it because it should be something natural. I hope and pray when you guys hear me talk about my family, you know I love my wife. I hope you always realize that. I hope and pray that when you hear me talk about my daughter, yes, she's only seven weeks old, I'd do anything for her. I hope you guys know how much I love my daughter. I hope and pray when you guys hear me out in public talking about you guys, there's some things I've had to talk about with some of you guys that might be difficult at times, but it all comes out of love for you guys. There are youth pastors that I can't be around in this world. Because they get together as friends, as youth pastors, and they compare how bad their kids are. I'm like, do you not believe that these kids are good? Well, they just make mistakes all the time. They're just, they're just sinful kids. I'm like, my gosh. Do you have any hope in this world? Yes, there are times when Hudson Meisel, I want to wring your neck. I'm just kidding. I love you. But you know how many times I brag about Hudson Meisel? So much. I bragged about you after I saw you at Sternville earlier. It's not just Hudson. It's every single one of you. I don't even know all of you completely. There might be some people in here I have a hard time remembering some of your names. I'm sorry, I just, that's not my gift. But I brag on every single one of you guys. Why? Because I believe that every single one of you guys belong here. I believe every single one of you guys are loved by Jesus. And if I believe that I love Jesus, I must show you guys how much I love him and how much I love every single one of you. These leaders that are in here, hopefully you guys know how much they love you, that they are willing to come watch you guys play soccer. They're willing to come to your house. They're, they're willing to come to cross country. They're willing to come to tennis matches. They're willing to come to baseball games. They're willing to show up all these different places. They're willing to give you guys jobs at Qdoba. He's hiring right now, by the way. It all comes out of this love that we have, not just for you, but first and foremost, our love for our Lord. And because of that love, we are compelled to love you. So let me ask you guys the question again that we started off with. Who is the message of Jesus for? It is for everyone. If you truly believe that statement, there should never be a doubt in your mind about who that message is for. There should never be a doubt in your mind when you're interacting with people at your school, people that you're in your own church with. There should never be a doubt that that person doesn't love that person. It should be the most welcoming environment anyone ever walks into. The church should always be the most welcoming environment. This youth ministry should always be the most welcoming environment, the most loving environment. And I apologize right now for the times when it hasn't been. I'm not the only person here that represents everything. I have a leadership team, and we apologize if it has ever come a point when you did not feel welcome or at home. Shame on us and shame on all of us if we did not make you feel at home because the message of Jesus is for everyone. So now to finish up where we are tonight, how do we do this? The Great Commission that we started off with, verse 19, at the top of your page, says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. If you listened to Todd this morning, if you were here, the only verb, according to the original language, the only verb in this entire sentence is make. And every other thing, there supports that. How do we make disciples first? We go. If you are a disciple, you go. It should be a natural thing for you guys just to go. Go to your friends. Go to your families. Go to your workplace. Go to those people who you're around all the time and look to make disciples of them. Look to make them follow Jesus like you have followed Jesus. The second thing we do, we baptize, and we're going to talk about that next week. I have a great baptism story for you guys. I hope you guys will love it. It's my baptism story. I'll just say this. My mom forgot to pack extra underwear. It's a great story. But next week, baptism. We as believers believe that you're not saved by your baptism, but it's a public expression of what you have believed. If you truly believe Jesus, it's not about how am I going to get baptized. It should be when. If you truly love Jesus, it should be a natural thing that you want to do to show the world that you love Jesus. And third is that we teach. What do we teach? The week after that, you guys, we're going to go through this entire book in 30 minutes. And I'm going to tell you guys how to understand it, how to read it. Because Joe wanted me to do this. I'm going to talk to you about what translations are best to follow, easiest to follow. Listen, I'm going to tell you the spoiler right now. The best Bible to read is the ones you're actually going to pick up and read. It's not about different translation. If it's a message, that's great. If it's NIV, that's great. I like ESV for teaching, but I can't stand reading it. I got to sit home and read my NIV, my Jesus Bible from Lily Giglio. I love that thing, just to sit down and read it. We do those things. We go, we baptize, we teach. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us, is what Paul said. We cannot help ourselves in talking about these things. Those things that earlier I asked you guys, what are you guys most passionate about or most timid about? The number one thing we should all as Christians, and I have failed this multiple times, the number one thing we should always be most passionate about is our Lord. It should be a natural thing for someone to go up to you and say, man, tell me about your life. Jesus has changed my life forever. I want to see people go up to Lindsay Lizer. You know, Most of you don't know Lindsay yet. I've gotten to know Lindsay the last few years. Her story is amazing of how Jesus has come into her, her heart and changed her life. It's amazing. And I want that to be true of every single one of us. Your life should be radically different because of this. So as we, as we wrap up, I, want to, I just want to challenge you guys. When you guys go... Tonight, when you guys leave here, you guys are going back home, going to your mom and dad, here's what usually happens. Did you learn anything tonight? Yep. How was it? Good. Fine. They didn't have free food anymore. (laughs) They made me pay for coffee. Or, this happened earlier this morning, how was it? Man, Todd went long-winded. He just wouldn't stop talking. I'm like, did you learn anything? Did you learn anything? Because if we truly believe who Jesus says he is, if we truly listen, if we truly believe in everything we've talked about tonight, if you truly claim to be a follower of Jesus, it should not be a, yeah, we just we didn't have coffee. We didn't have. He made me pay fifty cents for Doritos. It should be like, Mom, can I just talk about just some of the things we talked about tonight? And then when you go to school the next day. Hey, do you guys go to church anywhere? Yeah, I go I go to FECW, we go to the summit on Sunday nights. It's great. They have an awesome worship team, which by the way, if you guys are musically talented, we'd love to have you guys. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we only get Brayden in like we're like we're sharing braid with another church now, so it's kinda of depressing. Like we get him from, we get him one week, we get them the next week. We get him it's just, it's back and forth. Listen. You guys play drums, you guys play violin, you guys play cello, if you guys play the harmonica, whatever it is that you play. I saw Warner Durham by the harmonica the other day, thinking about it. I'm just kidding. Join the band. We'd love to have you. But listen, when you guys are out and about in your daily life, this is the last thing I'm going to say. When you guys are out and about in your daily life, whether it's a soccer field, football field, your Instagram page, your Snapchat, whatever it is, wherever people see you, do they know that you believe that the story of Jesus is for everyone? Or is there a doubt in their mind because of the way you have treated them, because of the way as you've acted towards them, by the way you've acted in public, or by the way you live? The message of Jesus is for everyone because Jesus is greater than what? Everything. Let's pray.